Welcome to the Diversity and Fellowship Podcast, where we discuss how the gospel brings us together and keeps us together. We are your hosts, Kenny King. And I'm William Marshall, and we want to encourage Christians to think through how our lives and our churches can be a faithful display of how the power of the gospel unites us in Christ. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate these brothers coming up from Sykeston, Missouri this morning, way down in the Missouri boot heel to come and be with us. And uh, these are really good guys. I um, had the pleasure of going down to Cape uh, with Hubbard a few uh, weeks back, and we wanted just to, you know, we weren't, we weren't planning on this necessarily happen. I just wanted to hear their story. And I wanted to, I wanted to see, is this legit? You know, it's kind of like Brooklyn Tab. If you know about Brooklyn Tab, that prayer meeting out there, I went, I went there because I wanted to see if their prayer meeting was really legit. And it's, it's legit, believe me. But their story is legit as well. It is a, it is a creative partnership. And, and the thing that I, I so appreciated the most about these guys and hearing their story, and I'm sure you're going to hear it as, as they share a little bit, is their humility. It is, it is about the gospel. Too often it's about us, it's about personality, it's about our name or that name or whatever, but these guys are, it's about the gospel, it's about the kingdom. So yeah, very thankful. So uh, Kenny, I'm going to start with you this morning. Um, so if, if you could, if you could just share, before y'all came together down there, were, were kingdom partnerships difficult or challenging and if so, why, why was that? I say it depends on what level of partnership you were looking for. So if you're just serving in the community, handing out school supplies or something to that effect, it's very easy. Right. Um, but if you're looking for more of an in-depth partnership, then it would be kind of difficult. And, and for many reasons. So for me, the opportunities were there to, to have many partnerships. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about what's your motivation behind this partnership. Do you want somebody to speak on MLK Day? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, you, or do you just want to pick a face on a mm-hmm. pamphlet? Or do we want to actually focus on the gospel? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or, and, and then sometimes we don't always have the, the same understanding of the gospel. Uh-huh. So those partnerships are hard to have as well. Yeah. So in some ways, again, depending on if you want a surface level one yeah. or if you want something that's more in-depth, you Depends on the difficulty of those yeah. partnerships at those times. Yeah. How long has Sykeston been home for you? I was born and raised in Sykeston, so my yeah. first uh, 18 years of my life was Sykeston. I was yeah. gone for about, let's say, 20 years yeah. and came back about eight years yeah. ago. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. All right, William, same question. How about you? Um, before Grace Bible Fellowship, that's the name of the church, and, and, and later, I'm going to ask you guys to say a word about the, the theology of the church and, and why theology matters in what you're doing. But um, same question, kingdom partnerships, growing up in Sykeston, Missouri, or being in part of that area, for and it's, it's, it's all over. I mean, the realities of division, the realities of Satan's work to divide people and for us to judge one another is, is uh, and that's, that's all over the place. But was kingdom partnerships difficult? If so, why? And just say a word about that. Yeah, I think for me it was very difficult. I moved to Sykeston about 17 years ago, and Sykeston is kind of its own little kingdom. And um, if you graduated from the high school there, it's one thing. If you didn't graduate from the high school there, then you're kind of an outsider always, you know. And so 
I really had to kind of work hard to prove that, hey, I actually love this. I love you guys, and I'm here, and I want to, I want to be invested. Uh, and so that was, a, that was a hurdle that we had to overcome. I, as Kenny said, there were, there were times where I could partner with folks um, for service projects or different things like that. But, but there, there was, I was looking for a partner that would, would be on a little different level. And so I, and I just had to kind of pray for that and wait for that for many years. And the Lord graciously brought Kenny as an answer to my prayer. I don't know if that was gracious in his eyes, but, um, but, it, but it was, right? It was an answer to years of prayer to, Lord, I just want to, I just want a brother that we can, we can work together. And, and so, um, so patience is a big part of that, I think, for, for us. Yeah. So these brothers, they co-pastor, I mean literally are co-pastors of Grace Bible Fellowship in Sykeston. And as they're sharing, I want you to be thinking uh, maybe of a question that you might have for these guys. Um, And so uh, be thinking of your questions and also continue to think. Because listen, again, um, one of the new things within Metro this year is C3 Partnerships. And C3 Church Partnerships is where an existing church creates a partnership with an international church, perhaps a, a refugee immigrant church um, in the metro area. And uh, Martin Winslow from Canaan, uh, he's a missions pastor. He's one of the associate pastors down there at Canaan. He's on our team, and he's doing that kind of work. But he's, he's going to be coming to you guys and asking you to think about a creative partnership like that with an, with an international church or an immigrant refugee church. So be thinking about that too. William, for you as a white brother, what did you, what was one of the key things that you had to learn and, and you've had to kind of submit yourself to in, and with a teachable spirit? What did you have to learn in order for this kind of relationship to work? Yeah, I think um, I kind of have an, I, I had an idea or at least I, I thought this is what the black church teaches or this is what a black pastor believes or this is what, and most of that was based on famous black pastors, right, of, of Odie Bauckham or uh, D.B. Harrison, if you're familiar with that guy. And what I learned from Kenny very quickly is that that's unfair and, and a little bit racist, actually, you know. And so I, I had to, when, in meeting with him, he's saying, well, yeah, but what about this? Or not everybody thinks this. Or some people look at it this way. Some people. And, uh, you know, so I left a lot of meetings with, you know, a lot of lunches with meetings with Kenny to go back to my church and repent, you know, of, of just ways that, but, but it, was, it was so good because he was a brother I trusted, and, and he had respect for these different guys, but just, you know, would disagree with them in certain, certain ways, and that was really, really helpful for me to, to, to help me see that I can't try to pigeonhole people and say, oh, everybody thinks this, or everybody, everybody in this race thinks this way, or everybody in this ethnicity. That was really, really important, you know, yeah. and, and so Kenny really helped me see some of those things and, and work through some of those things as a white White man, yeah. white dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's weird. Um, same, same question, I guess, for you, Kenny. And then, um, and then after Kenny answers this question, if there's a question out on the floor, we can get that. So, Kenny, what have you, what have you had to learn along the way in order for this kind of, this kind of work to, for it to work? We have a very different view of American history, mm. and the willingness of. Um, speaking in general terms here, of the white church to um, open their eyes to some of that. You got to give it to them in doses. Like you don't just, <laughs> you don't just throw all the negative out there and um, expect them to receive it. And, and that's vice, you know, both ways. But 
Yeah, our, our view of history is different, and you have to be patient with them being able to receive some of the critiques of American history. Yeah, yeah. and what a good word that was. I remember um, when we were hearing all that stuff about make America great again, and one of my friends said, make America great again for who? It give wasn't me, so great for my people. Just give me a people. date. Yeah. Give me a date, and I will crush that for you, I mm-hmm, promise you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. These guys are doing a partnership, um, equal preaching, equal leadership, equal everything. And so I'm going to ask you, I'm gonna, my question is going to be about the witness or the testimony to the community that maybe you've seen from uh, maybe a, a Sykeston, you know, person within the, the town government or maybe a school person or something like that. But is there a question on the floor right now at this point that anybody has yet? Yeah. Bella Faye. Um, by God's grace, um, we, were, we were actually counseled to choose a, a head pastor and a, an associate, so to speak. And by God's grace, we knew that wouldn't work because in doing that, you're communicating something to, to one of the other groups, right? Um, and, and we thought it was important for us to say, no, we might be foolish in doing this, but we're going to be co-pastors. And we'll, we'll work through some of the, the issues that, that may come to that. And by God's grace, there hasn't been much tension because William and I, we are, um, we think a lot, a lot alike and we believe a lot alike. And so we, we really have been blessed in that sense to where there's not much tension there. Yeah, and I think, you know, we, it was uh, Josh read the passage earlier. You know, I mean, if, if you're not willing to die to yourself, this isn't going to work. You know, if you're, if you're not willing to die to your preferences, and if you've served with a staff or if you've served, you know, with a plurality of elders, I mean, you're constantly having to kind of throw out ideas. And your idea, you may throw out your idea and everybody thinks it's terrible. And you kind of have to submit to that, you know. And, and so, you know, sometimes I throw out ideas and Kenny's like, William, that is never going to work, you know. And I, I just have to say, yeah, you're right. You know, and I'm thankful for that because if I would have been on my own, I'd have been like, this is the greatest idea ever. And it would have failed, you know. And so just learning that, you know, my brother, the Lord has given me this great brother that in one sense can help me from making really foolish decisions at times and learning how to submit to him when I need to and him learning how to submit and us learning how to submit to one another. I mean, those, those, were, those are just really, really important, I think. And, and they're not always easy. You know, they're, they're very difficult to... None of us want to say, well, it's my way or the highway. But I was a single pastor for 15 years and... and I, you know, I made the decisions. I mean, what I wanted to do is what we did, and it failed a whole lot, you know, but that, uh, maybe that's the key. Run your church into the ground, and then you'll realize <laughs> that uh, another brother could help you, right? So. <laughs> yeah, Mike, Mike Gregory's got a question there. You know, I would say in the beginning, it was more of a a wait and see. We're going to see if this can actually work. First it was, okay, uh, we're happy for you all. I think everybody is, is for the most part happy uh, to see kind of this um, multi-ethnic church come together. 
I believe that we get opportunities because we, we have joined together. We get opportunities to speak into certain situations and speak into things that are going on in the community. Like the city will reach out to us for um, advice or just heads up on some things that are going on because th they know we are trying to do what we are trying to do. So that's what I would say. We have a really good relationship with the chief of police in our city. Um, and Kenny actually had a good friendship uh, with him. And, and so that, that's been one of those areas where I feel like he, he'll kind of come to us sometimes. He's like, what do you guys think on this or how, how might this work? And so I, I think that's been encouraging to folks. Uh, you know, one of the things I said to Kenny that's been a challenge is that at, at one point, really kind of right as we were merging, the idea of racial reconciliation, man, everybody thought that was positive. That's great. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. That's not true now. I mean, there, there are people in our churches, and, and I'll speak for SBC churches, people in Southern Baptist churches who are not, they're, they're a little bit iffy about racial reconciliation for different reasons. And so what we're trying to say is, is no, 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 no. You, you, you can do this in a way that's healthy, that's good. And so that, that's maybe more the church community than it is necessarily the out. But, but we're trying to say to, you know, even to our local churches, you know, hey, this is, this is something that we, we should pursue. We should pursue this. William, in, in what ways did you and your church, your congregants, um, need to really submit yourself to Pastor Kenny yeah. and their congregants? I believe, I believe your church moved into a different neighborhood. Is that right? Can yeah, you say some recently. stuff? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this was, you know, I mean, talking about dying to ourselves. You saw in the video kind of the, the big the, the room that we were in and all that. Um, it's always fun when the, the guy who comes to film was like comes on the day when like COVID is they're terrible and nobody's there and it's like yeah it's great yeah Kenny just got over COVID nobody's coming to church right yeah that's good anyway so we sold that building we no longer own that building uh, so Trinity my former church had owned that building since we I mean they built it 1966 so we sold that building that that building literally had one of the richest man men in the boot hill lived next to that building right he had his compound or whatever you call his his home um and, and, I mean, it was kind of the wealthy area of town, about as far away from uh, what we call the West End uh, as you could get. And, you know, we took it to our church and said, we're not going to be able to reach the West End from here. It's just not going to work. And uh, well, we kind of thought that would kind of develop slowly over years. But uh, we put the building up for sale. It sold before it even got on the market. Uh, somebody made an offer that was above uh, the appraisal value. <laughs> so we were like, hey, we're just going to take that as a sign from the Lord, and we're, we're going to do that. So then we moved uh, back into where uh, the, the church that uh, Kenny, where Kenny pastored, the location. And, you know, we didn't know how that was going to work. We thought it was going to be weird. And, and, but, I mean, it's, it's been great. And I, I, I think it's helped my church. Um, I mean, there really was, like, there were older ladies in my church who told my wife, you don't go to the West End at night. You, you don't go to the West End by yourself, right? And, in fact, there was one lady in our church who was told, her family member said, if they move, if they move the church to the West End, you can't go anymore. She's been every single Sunday, you know? And so, I, I mean, it, it, it's... It's just that kind of thing, I think, that's been yeah. super encouraging. And, but, but that was a big sacrifice. I mean, to sell the building was a big sacrifice, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so. yeah. You know, we, we are, we're here to learn a lot from you guys today. And, and so uh, we've got some more questions. But I, as, as you and I talked about last week, if there is a word 
that you feel in your bones that you want to share in, 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 with these brothers, uh, I want you guys to have the freedom to do that and to say that. Other questions out on the floor? Yeah, Josh. So um, I, I believe in, in my heart that God was already doing the work before we, I even came back or even got there. Uh, Smith Chapel being a United Methodist Church, it was, it's, it's a different form of polity in the United Methodist Church where pastors are assigned to congregations. And so historically they've had white pastors. So it wasn't you know, out of the norm for them to have to submit to, to leadership that was different than them. Um, and I believe for, for me, the, the, the role I played in that is, let me show you in scripture where this is what God desires. So that was more of my role is that, not, not that you, you have a white pastor or, you know, every once in a while you do a joint service with another white church. It's, it's more of, Let's come together to, to, to really do life together and, and not just every once in a while. Yeah, my, this is, I could go along on this one, but I'll try to keep it short. But um, my wife and I were unable to have children, and so we adopted. And uh, 14 years ago, that's crazy, 14 years ago, my wife and I adopted a black son. And uh, then, we, woo, then we adopted, uh, a few years later, we adopted a biracial son. And so that changes a man. It changes a white man, I'll say it that way. Uh, because there were things that I had to think about that I had never had to think about before. And one of the things that I did not like is the idea of my black son growing up and thinking that Christianity was the white man's religion. But if you went to my church, that's what he was going to see. And so I began to pray fervently, Lord... I don't even know what to do here. You know, maybe I just need to stop being a pastor and go join a black church. You know, like, I, I just, I don't know what to do. Um, but I, I, I don't, I don't, I want to raise my son up to where he sees good, strong black men who love Jesus with all their heart, you know. And so when I say Kenny was an answer to my prayers, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not kidding, right? He was very much an answer to my prayers in a lot of different ways, right? I mean, we did, our friendship didn't really start because we were going to merge churches, you know, we just... Um, we just became friends because we were brothers. And, uh, and so through that, through the, through the adoption, through some other things, the Lord just kind of gave us a heart. And I, I'll never forget one of, my, uh, one, of our, one of my church members stood up when we were thinking about this, and he says, it is very clear to me that God has had us on this path and kind of walked through some of that. It was, it was a powerful moment. So. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Uh, Paul Fernandez. I'm going to say this as a negative, and it may, may sound funny to you all, but I do say this as a negative and, and as a joke. Um, I would say that Smith Chapel was the whitest black church that I've ever seen. I mean, straight hymnal. Um, I mean, I had to teach them how to clap when I came. 
Y'all be working on that. Be, be working on that while y'all here. Teaching people how to clap. I'm still teaching people how to clap on Sunday mornings, every Sunday morning. Like, I'm the unofficial member of the worship team, uh, just trying to teach people how to clap. But yeah, it was, it was the, the whitest black church. And so trying to even get them into more gospel-type music was an, an effort. And they, they viewed that as some expression of Methodism. I said, y'all don't even know who John Wesley was for real then because like, my man was very charismatic in, in, in some respects. And so it was trying to get them even to, 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 to embrace some of the culture, right? Like embrace some of this. There's not, it's nothing wrong with it. And, and so, but I think that did help with us with the merge because it was similarities in, in the way that we worship. Um, these brothers had to, and Alonzo would come to you, and then Alonzo and then Nathan back there. So these guys, there was kind of a divine thing, right, that the Lord introduced them to each other. Um, for, for Goodrich and, and, and Skyler and DeLuca and Josh, you guys are praying through right now, seeking your team members, right, for this work that God is going to do here inside 270 in St. Louis. I would say to all of us, you can't, we can't force relationships to happen that we think should happen sometimes. I mean, honestly, there's some of you, I would like to force you to work with each other. And I, I, you know, that's just, it has to be the Holy Spirit to make those things happen. But I would just say to all of us, be praying and thinking about those relationships within the metro area that the Holy Spirit would create for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of the advancement of the gospel. All right, let's go to Alonzo. Yeah. Well, I would say in, in, in a few ways, we, we tried to deal with situations like that. So proactively, when we first merged, we did something called Gracism Meals. And so every, every time we, well, we had meals every week after service. And so during those meals, we spent time just diving into some of the, the, the difficult subjects between the cultures, talking about American history, talking about uh, issues between the police and the black community. We, we went through all those things. COVID killed it, um, by the way, but um, we, we were already having those conversations. And around the time that um, Ahmaud Arbery came out and George Floyd came out, we had already decided we were going to go through the Book of Lamentations. Like we were just going to take a season of just lamenting. And so we... Um, we, we were actually going diving into limitation and George Floyd happening. And, and I had challenged people. We, we used the sermon as our Sunday school material. I had challenged people to write a lament. Just, just try your best to write a lament. Use the format that, you know, Jeremiah's using in Lamentations, write a lament. And people leaned into it. I think people started to, to feel sort of the, the pain that the black community feels. And so... That, that was a blessing uh, in, in that respect. And I would say that we, we do address those things in our sermon. 
We, we, we address those as application points. When we see it in the text, we, we take those opportunities to, to address those things. We have an extended prayer time as well in our service um, right before the sermon, and we use those times to, to pray over those things. We prayed um, over the Tyree Nichols situation, um, was that last Sunday, the Sunday before last. And so we, we try to take those moments to um, make sure we're addressing those things. We have a podcast for that very reason as well. We want our our members to, to listen to these issues and have more in-depth uh, conversations in regard, regards to that. We did a solemn assembly um, at, at Smith Chapel outside because COVID was really bad. But during that moment, we just wanted to, to lament, to repent. Um, the, the last official lynching in the state of Missouri happened in Sykeston, Missouri. And so we wanted to use that that moment to pr- highlight that and, and to realize the injustice around that, that nobody was brought to justice. And, and, and we did it actually on the guy's birthday. So, mm. yeah, mm. that's just some of the ways we, we try to deal with those issues. William, do you have a, anything you want to say briefly about how you guys communicate together about necessary social issues that the church speaks into prophetically? Yeah, I, mean, I think we, I know for me, it's important for me to run things by Kenny, just, just to make sure that I'm, um, not saying something in ignorance, not being offensive, not, you know, not, not, not misunderstanding, misreading the situation. Um, and so that, that for my white brothers in the room, I just encourage you, it's okay, right? And um, I, I mean, I, it's not be lazy and don't do any research, you know, but I, I mean, you, you have to read, you have to study, you have to pray as well. But, um, and there have been times where Kenny has said to me, how do you think, how do you think the white church is going to hear that? How many think our, some of our white members are going to hear this, you know? And so, uh, particularly early on, we tried to have some of those conversations as we were preparing our sermons. We, we didn't want to fall into the, we're going to make the whole sermon about this issue because we just preach through books of the Bible. We think that that's what the Lord wants us to do. And so, but we did look for application and we did use prayer time as a way to really speak to an issue. Because we, you know, one thing I learned in the white church is we just ignored those issues. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, we can't do that, you know. you, you And so, so... Um, my brother just saying, hey, we, let's, let's make sure we're always at least praying about them, you know. And if there are other ways to work that in, then we'll do that as well. I, I, think, I think how God's going to use these brothers is just beginning, don't you? Nathan, your question? Yeah. So I would, I would say for me is that my, my submission to William is more out of his experience versus out of his whiteness, I would say. Um, <laughs> and, and then there, there is a submission of making sure that I'm not um, causing any unnecessary offense, right? Making sure that I'm, I'm saying things in a tone to where it's not accusatory uh, to people. But I, I do want to get the people to think. Um, I would say one of the things that 
I had to adopt, which is one of our values, is the idea of leading with grace. So when white people or anybody say stuff that's ignorant or William comes and asks me a question that I think might, might be a little insensitive, um, it's the idea of, of realizing that he is not doing this out of malice. <laughs> He's asking this question out of genuine love for me. Uh, I, I know he loves me. I, I don't have any doubt of that. So I, I had to more, more or less not submit to my feeling of the way I'm feeling about stuff, but to submit to what I know he is, right? I know, I know his love for me is. That, that's more of the level of submission I've had to take is to overlook offense, to, to think the best of people, to lead with grace. Brothers, thank you guys so very much. Can you give these guys a hand? Yep. Thanks so much for listening to the Diversity and Fellowship podcast. If you want to join the discussion, please send us your questions and your comments to diversityandfellowship at gmail.com. That's diversityandfellowship at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, keep laboring by God's grace to be a faithful display of how the power of the gospel unites us in Christ.